What's going on everybody? Brennan Schaefer here with you, back with another B-Shafe Daily. It's been a little while since we've recorded one of these, but I wanted to get an episode in here before the weekend. It's a Friday, and the trade deadline is actually coming up for Major League Baseball, if you can believe that. Normally July 31st, this year August 31st, because of the COVID delay, they decided to push it back a month, which makes sense when you consider that as of July 31st, the season was only about a week old, and so I don't think many teams were going to really have a feel for where they would be at the trade deadline. We've seen a few moves across Major League Baseball so far. I don't know that you're going to get a whole lot of activity heading into the next few days. Today's Friday, August 28th, and so that means the deadline will come on Monday the 31st. Whether or not you see a whole lot of moves between now and then, you know, there might be a few some teams that you know are out of it, teams that probably would have been out of it if it were a 162-game season. But as far as teams being motivated to acquire players, to get the talent from the teams that are looking to give it away, I, I don't know that many teams are going to be in that situation because I think, especially if it's a player with a contract, the finances in the COVID era are going to be a bigger consideration than they were previously. You know, we talked a lot about Nolan Arenado. If you're a Cardinals fan and you've, you've been wondering over the past couple of years, really, it's been at this point, would the Cardinals ever make a play for Nolan Arenado? And you know he signed the big contract with Colorado. And so that was always going to be an issue for the Cardinals even even before all this took place. I remember being back at the hotel in downtown St. Louis back in January, listening to Bill DeWitt Jr., the chairman of the Cardinals, principal owner, talking about you know what the payroll would look like and the fact that at that time everybody was kind of asking about how they would supplement the offense and could Nolan Arenado be in play and at the time though he wouldn't answer it directly with regards to any players of, of significant contracts free agents or trade acquisitions it didn't sound like it was in the cards at the time and now when you flash forward to now late August knowing what 2020 has been like for a lot of businesses, but baseball teams too, that have not had the revenues that they expected to have, that's going to tighten up the purse strings, I would think, even more. And so you're not going to have the wiggle room necessarily to pull off a lot of these moves. Even if they make sense from a baseball standpoint, there are other considerations at play. And again, that always was the case, but I think you're going to see it more so now than ever, that it's just going to be difficult to maneuver and make moves, moves especially in the case of the Cardinals when you've when you've got all these roster considerations, and that could be the type of moves that you see from the Cardinals, because when they had to call up all these players and add them to the 40-man roster in, in the wake of the COVID situation where you, you have 10 players or so that were unavailable to the team, when those guys come back, you are going to have to make the 40-man roster whole again. Less whole than it is right now, because they're over the limit if you if you count everybody that's been on the COVID-injured list and everybody that was added to the 40-man roster to participate in the games. And so you you see that a lot of the guys the Cardinals had added were names that you maybe hadn't heard of, and if you had, you weren't expecting them probably to contribute to the team in 2020. And the reason for that is, the reason you, you, know, you didn't go ahead and call up all the top prospects and just go ahead and get them some playing time, you know, guys like Nolan Gorman, who are still probably a couple of years away, especially given that 2020 is somewhat of a lost season, you didn't get a whole lot of those guys called up prematurely because the Cardinals knew that at the end of this, they were going to have to 
configure the 40-man roster once again. While everybody's on the COVID IL, you don't got to worry about it. But once they're coming back, that's when it gets tricky. And so a lot of these guys, it sounds kind of harsh, but I feel like the Cardinals called up a lot of these players to say, you know, these are guys that weren't probably getting a look in 2020 under normal circumstances. We need them now. And for their careers, you got to look at it as a positive because even if the Cardinals do have to designate some of those guys for assignment after all this, if they get picked up by another organization, it's because that organization saw what they were able to do at the major league level, liked it, saw something in them, and ended up saying, you know, we're going to take a chance on this guy now that the Cardinals have designated him for assignment. I don't know how much of that's going to happen because I think teams across baseball probably sympathize a little bit, empathize with the Cardinals for what they had to go through, uh, you know, are crossing their fingers that they don't have to go through it themselves. And, you know, you might see teams be a little more lenient on trying to jump in to take advantage of that situation. But if guys don't get picked up and they're DFA'd, they're just back in the Cardinal system where they would have been anyway. Not on the 40-man roster, but they don't end up going anywhere if they don't get claimed on waivers. And so the Cardinals potentially to try and prevent the, the, the previous, the former statement that I made about teams maybe picking up some of these guys off of waivers, they might end up trying to trade them, get out in front of that, and just make trades for you know potentially players to be named later so that you end up getting a, a younger guy that you don't have to worry about him needing to come onto the 40-man roster right away. So those are the kind of minor moves you might see the Cardinals make, and I'm not going to speculate as to which names that could involve because – you know, you had a lot of pitchers that had to, had to be called up. A lot of them probably aren't part of the 28-man the or, you know, 26-man roster, whatever it ends up being as we get down the stretch here. A lot of those guys probably aren't going to be on your roster, but, um, you know, that doesn't mean they're not valuable depth in the organization because you just saw in 2020 what that depth can mean. And, and guys that honestly probably wouldn't have gotten that chance then help the Cardinals kind of, hold hold serve and, and keep themselves at at pace in the race for a postseason spot during a time when they just didn't have any other options. They had to call upon some of these guys. Uh, you know, it's the equivalent of, of kind of an NFL team bringing guys in off the street and saying, you know, suit up because we need you to be our starting running back this week. We had so many injuries. Like, it's just that kind of situation. And a lot of those, you know, didn't work out well for everybody. You know, we, we know the guys that, that pitched and didn't pitch very well and had, you know, some unfortunate innings. That's going to happen. But by and large, you got to be impressed by what those guys were able to do to keep the Cardinals in it. And, and not just from a competitive standpoint, because I know they lost some of those games. And when you play those doubleheaders, you know you're not going to come away with too many sweeps um, just because of, of the, the burden that it puts on your pitching. But because some of those guys were at least able to fill innings, you were able to then the next day or two days later have a little bit more of a competitive bullpen ready to go into future games. Mike Shield has talked a lot about managing for that day for sure, but in 2020 more so than any other season, you've also got to manage for tomorrow and the next day and three days from now and a week from now to make sure you're, not only your guys are rested and ready to pitch, but they remain healthy because they haven't been overworked. And so that's been something I think for all the flack that Mike Schilt has received about bullpen management, I think that's one element that goes a little bit overlooked or, or it's not maybe understood well enough that it's not easy to, to do what the Cardinals did over the past few weeks. And now they're kind of on the other side of that. I know they've got more doubleheaders coming up, but you know, they've, they've got more of their pitchers well-built 
to manage it. You, and we'll talk about the doubleheader yesterday on Thursday a little bit when they get swept by the Pirates. The reason that I'm kind of going trade deadline and, and kind of taking a big-picture look at things today on the podcast is be, because they obviously didn't play well yesterday. There's not a lot exciting to talk about from that doubleheader. You can't get swept by the Pirates. You can't only score three runs in a doubleheader against the Pirates. That's really just not going to fly, and I think they're they're coming to a point here where I understand they've been through a lot, but I don't think that makes the fan criticisms and the questions that were were listed over the offseason about this offense and whether they had done enough to be able to improve upon what they were last year. Uh, I think those questions are certainly fair, and as we, we get maybe a little bit of, uh, more into the season, another week or so, where the Cardinals get to the halfway point as far as games played, like a, a lot of the other teams across the league have already, uh, then you can look and say, you know, make some more definitive determinations about what this offense really is. You know, I had Paul DeYoung as a guy that I thought would really break out this year. He had COVID, was down for a while. So, you know, there, there are going to be some of those things we thought would Goldschmidt improve. He certainly has. He's been the team's best player. Uh, he, he's done a great job. Could Tyler O'Neill fill the hole in left field? Lately, not really. He's he's got a got a low batting average. Uh, defensively, he's done things uh, that Marcelo Zuna certainly would not have done. You saw some spectacular catches that he made on Thursday during that doubleheader in left field. But offensively, I I think we we haven't really seen enough. Dylan Carlson's gotten off to a slow start. Everybody kind of thought he would be the answer if uh, the guys they had weren't performing. Lane Thomas was another guy that said, well, you can plug him in. He got COVID too. Still isn't back, and so that's. That's just the nature of this 2020 season. I think the Cardinals deserve some benefit of the doubt for that. I was a guy, and again, I've said this all along, that I'm not going to hide from a previous prediction. Uh, my prediction was that the offense would be okay, that they'd be fine, that they'd be able to, you know, they'd be a little better than they were a year ago because you'd get some bounce-back performances from some guys and you would get some infusion of some younger talent that hadn't been able to prove itself from others. The younger talent has not necessarily carried the the weight that I thought they would so far this year. I'll admit that. And the bounce-back candidates, while I think we've seen some of that, um, certainly of late, Harrison Bader has been offensively much more of a force than he was last year. I know he got off to a slow start. Uh, Dexter Fowler's been okay, you know, up and down like a lot of the guys. Uh, I mentioned Goldsmith has been very good. DeYoung, I, ex- I still expect to be very good. But, again, when you when you – Factor in a COVID-19 situation that none of us anticipated, uh, certainly when I was talking about the team back in January and given some of my thoughts about what the season would look like, something I did not anticipate. But it is what it is at this point, and and I'm not going to hide from the prediction. I thought the Cardinals would be better offensively, and I think we're getting to a point, not quite there yet, because I'm going to give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt, try to figure things out. But we're getting to that point where it's it's absolutely fair to say, hey, look, as a fan, I said in the offseason this was going to happen. This is what happened, and I'm I'm not too thrilled about it. From a pitching perspective, the, that's that's kind of the, the saving grace, and, and I said that too. I said that the Cardinals would be a team carried by its pitching and its defense. I said they were the best defensive team in Major League Baseball. Uh, if you watch the Cardinals on Thursday, you probably would not agree with that assessment. But again, they're putting themselves into difficult situations because of COVID and these doubleheaders are having to play. In Game 1 yesterday, I don't know... I, I And I texted this to my dad. I said, I, I would never DH Paul Goldschmidt. I get it that you want to keep him off his feet for one of those games so that you can get his bat into the lineup for both games. But Yadier Molina is older than Goldschmidt, and he just came off of a COVID diagnosis, and he's catching both games. Catching, not playing first base. And so 
that's one one area where I would say, yeah, I wouldn't DH Paul Goldschmidt, especially if the alternative is that I'm going to put Brad Miller at third and Tommy Edmond at short where he can play, but it's it's out of position for him from from what he did last year. You know, and, and you start moving guys around, that can invite some some issues. Schilt disagreed with that sentiment yesterday that the, the Cardinals are moving guys around defensively um, because he said, you know, Tommy is a utility guy in general, as is Brad Miller, and so it's something they're used to moving around, and so they should be able to to handle that. Totally understand that perspective, but I wouldn't have Brad Miller playing third and Matt Carpenter playing first. It just it would not be an alignment I would ever employ, even even when you have a double play or double header. Pardon me, and that's what they had in game one yesterday. Brad Miller made the you know making some errors. Uh, I know he made a throwing error yesterday, and he made a uh, a fielding error, or at least got ate up by that ball in, in the eighth inning, the extra inning that allowed the Pirates to extend their lead. And as it turns out, that was uh, you know a critical play because the the Cardinals ended up mounting a rally in the bottom of the eighth, and they they still fell one run short. Maybe it's a different outcome if if they're able to field that ball third cleanly. And so, from defensive standpoint, I do think Cardinals at their best when they've got their best alignment out there, which is either Edmund or Carpenter at third. I'm okay with either. Probably prefer Edmund. Um, but then you've got DeYoung at shortstop, Goldschmidt at first, and then the outfield. You saw what O'Neill can do in left. Fowler has handled himself in right field. Should be perfectly satisfied by that. Bader, we know what he can do in center, and Dylan Carlson in center field has been fine. And you can play Dylan in the corners as well, and you'll be okay. That's, to me, with Yachty behind the plate and Colt Wong. I don't even mention his name there because he's he's Colt Wong. You, you guys know what I think of him and what he does, and you've seen him bear that out on the field with gold glove last year and should be another gold glove this year. That's the best defensive alignment that I can think of in Major League Baseball. But that's not what they had yesterday because they're going through it right now, trying to keep guys fresh. It's easy for me to sit here and say I would never have Goldsmith DH, but Mike Schilt, I've got to step back and admit, has more of an understanding of what he's dealing with with his club on a day-to-day basis than I do and, and than any of the fans do. So, you know, we, we can make these proclamations, but we should acknowledge that we don't always know everything that's going on. But I would do my darndest if I do DH Paul Goldsmith. I'm certainly not going to put Miller at third and then have Edmund at short. I'll go ahead and put Edmund at third and start Paul DeYoung that game. I'll sit Paul DeYoung the second game when Goldschmidt is starting at first base. But I think they kind of punted on the infield defense yesterday. Uh, and again, as a manager, you're going to have faith in all of your players that they're going to be able to contribute and, and hold down the fort defensively. But I don't think you can get um, much much of a more of a discrepancy between what they normally would have on the infield and what they had yesterday in game one. And so while the team is a pitching and defense team, you saw the pitching do a splendid job yesterday. Kwon Young Kim, I've been saying it since January, since February. Uh, I remember being down in spring training talking about it. This guy's a starter. Um, he's done a great job. Certainly, you do need outfield defense behind him. I haven't gone through and, and measured this and, and looked, but I, I saw the stat cast exit velocities for both games, his last two starts in which he's gone six innings and allowed zero earned runs in both of them. You're getting a lot of fly balls or line drives to the outfield between 90 and 100 miles per hour exit velocity off the bat against Kwon Young Kim. And that's okay because for whatever reason, they haven't left the park. If there's one day where they square him up a little better than they have in the last two outings, you're going to you're gonna see him give up you know three or four runs and, and probably get knocked out from the, the game a little bit earlier. He's not a guy that misses a lot of bats. I've been surprised almost by how few bats he's missed because he was about a K per inning guy in Korea, which isn't incredible. But it's it's still pretty solid, and with the acknowledgement that 
Korea is more like AAA as far as competitive level. Move over to the Major League Baseball, you're not going to be able to, you know, probably miss as many bats. It's and it's a different style. He's he's but still is a pitch to contact guy at heart, and pitch to weak contact. The contact's been a little st- stronger than I probably would have anticipated over the last two starts. But the results are what I anticipated. Kwon Young Kim being really good. If you're in fantasy baseball, I still recommend picking him up if if he's available in your league. Um, I, I didn't love it when they were going to make him the closer, but right when they put him back to be a starter, I was all about that. And so with what you've got in Kwon Young Kim, Wayno has done a nice job. You know what Jack Flaherty is, what he's capable of doing. Dakota Hudson has been able to kind of settle in a little bit into the rotation. You've got Daniel Ponce de Leon right now, who I'm still so high on. He's he's had trouble with command where he's just he's just not getting deep enough into games because he's not throwing enough strikes. And I th- I think he's one of the guys in that pitching staff where I would like him to throw more strikes because I'm not really as afraid of what's going to happen when he does. I don't think he's going to be beat around, you know, like some other guys if they catch too much of the zone. I think his stuff is that good. He's just got to get it, you know, it's a it's a mental thing too. Once you realize at this level that that guys aren't going to be able to square your stuff up as as often, and you can go ahead and attack the zone. Still got to make your pitches. Still got to hit your spots. But I think Ponce de Leon is just one of those guys that if he can figure that out, he's going to be really good. I've had some pushback on that on Twitter. People saying, well, you know, he's already 28, whatever years old. If he if he hasn't figured it out by now, is he going to figure it out? I don't know. But I'm optimistic about him and would like to see it happen. He's going to be able, uh, on the mound for the Cardinals on set, on Friday night as they uh, host the Cleveland Indians. But I'm gonna I'm gonna play this voice message now. Will has uh, sent in another message. He we had one on the show from Will a couple weeks ago, and he sent another one in, kind of revolving around the trade deadline theme. Kind of a two pronged question from Will, and so I'm gonna address both of those elements after I let you have a chance to listen to the question. Of course, if you want to ever send one in yourself, a voice message, a voicemail that will be played on the podcast, you can do so by going to Anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. And that's the way you can get involved in the show. Will's done it once. He's done it again. So we're going to play that for you now. This is Will talking some Cardinals baseball. Hey, Brendan. Wanted to get your thoughts on the Cardinals at the trade deadline. I feel like they will probably do nothing or maybe get a middle reliever who contributes very little. But I feel like they could use insurance at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, to help out Gallegos and Helsley when he returns, whether it be someone like Trevor Rosenthal or Keone Kella on the Pirates, or maybe insurance for Bader and center, um, like Kevin Pillar, perhaps. Also wanted to get your thoughts on Carlos Martinez taking his time to stretch out as a starter away from St. Louis rather than come help the major league club right now in the bullpen. Thanks. Thanks once again to Will for dropping me a line and getting involved in the show. Once again, the link to do that as well, if you're interested in participating, is anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. I'm going to get into the end of Will's thoughts first, and then I'll talk about some trade deadline stuff, because at the end of that message, he asked about Carlos Martinez and my thoughts on him kind of insisting, you know, preferring to remain a starter, to return as a starter, which means he's going to take a little bit longer to be able to build up before he can return to the Cardinals, then go ahead and come back sooner, potentially, as a relief pitcher. It doesn't surprise me at all, is the answer to the question. 
that Carlos would would prefer to go about it this way because can you name a better duo than the Cardinals and wanting Carlos Martinez to be a reliever because it seems like everywhere we turn and I understand you have a global pandemic this time that turns it into the reason that they would prefer him to come back as a relief pitcher uh, but it dates all the way back to 2018 when he had an injury and then coming back it was like the end of August or so where they said he wasn't going to have time to build back up, so we're going to bring him in temporarily to the bullpen to the end of the season. He did well in the role, and so you come into 2019, Carlos wants to start again. Whether it was physical, mental, emotional, or a combination of the three, heading into 2019 that Carlos Martinez was not able to serve in the rotation. I know there was some physical stuff, because when you had spring training, it was one of the first days there in February that Carlos Martinez was talking about the issues with his shoulder, and that's why they shut him down for a little while. And so he you know, was not going to obviously start the season in the rotation, started the season on the injured list. But then when he comes back, it's as a reliever again because the Cardinals say, you know, we, we, we just need that need in the bullpen right now. We don't want to have to stretch him out. Whatever it is, always kind of vague, always never really understood it. And then I'll never forget as you approach kind of June, July, after you lost Jordan Hicks, hearing John Mosellock on the radio show uh, hosted by Frank Cusimano, Mosellock said the Cardinals did consider potentially, you know, they kicked around the idea of bringing Carlos back. After he was already back pitching, they kicked around the idea of reinserting him into the rotation. But then, because there was a need in the rotation at the time, or or you could have at least found a spot for him, but then when you lost Jordan Hicks, that kind of tanked that idea because they felt there was the need in the closer role, late-inning situations that Carlos Martinez could effectively fill. And I disagree with that then. I would disagree with it now because I think if Carlos Martinez is healthy, ready to go, ready to you know take on the rigors of being a starter, a need in the rotation is always more important than a need in the back of an end of a bullpen, period. Because you can throw six or seven innings as a starter. You can throw one inning as a closer. You're not always going to get the chance to pitch. It's only when the team is up by a few runs, you know, one to three runs, that you're really going to use the guy. Maybe in a tied game, you you could do that late in in the game as well. But there's just more opportunity to impact games as a starter. That's always been my belief. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to change my view on that. And so I thought if Carlos could be a starter last year, he should be. But continued as a closer, did a fine job. Then came into this season and basically clearly wanted to be a starter, went above and beyond all the expectations the Cardinals had for him in order to re-earn that spot in the rotation. And he did it. He got his spot back almost like, you know, the Cardinals were not even anticipating him to be able to to accomplish what he did from spring through the COVID shutdown into summer camp and to come back looking the way that he did. I remember Mike Schultz saying at that point, after listing all the things Carlos had done, he said at that point, you, you the guy earned a spot. You know, you've, you've got to give it to him, basically. Whether the Cardinals want to do or not, whether they thought he fit well in the bullpen, at that point, the guy who wanted to be a starter went out and proved that he could be and earned that job back. Then, unfortunately, he gets COVID. And so, he, you know, he's back into this situation again. He was the guy, as he shared on his Instagram, that, that did need to go to the hospital to uh, to receive some IV fluids and and was was in a little bit of worse shape than some of the other guys with regard to his COVID symptoms. And so, you know, you, you do worry about that a little bit to say the guy might need a little bit more time before coming back. And so that's one element of it to me. Don't want to rush him back anyway, even if it's as a reliever, just because you want to make sure he's healthy, strong, ready to pitch. 
But I feel like Carlos, from his perspective, has kind of had enough of it and said, look, it's this would have been my third year in a row where due to an extenuating circumstance, I'm unable to be in the rotation. But I feel like physically, mentally, emotionally, I can be. And so if they tell me, you know, it's going to take longer, you say, okay, that's fine. Good. Send me where you got to send me, but I'm a starter. And that's how I'll return. And so I respect Carlos Ford, to be honest with you. And I, 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 and you know, that's maybe some bias on my part because I've always thought he should have the opportunity to pitch as a starter. And until he flames out on the field as a starter, I, I'm still going to say the same thing. There's no reason for extenuating outside circumstances to be the reason he has a, you know, a, a career changing shift to the bullpen that becomes permanent. I think he should be in the rotation until his numbers on the field dictate otherwise. And so if it takes a couple extra weeks, whatever. And the Cardinals, they're probably kind of annoyed by it. But to me, if I'm Carlos, I, I get it. I really do. I understand it. you got to look at it in the context of all the things that have happened in the recent years that has led him to this point. I don't also really understand why the Cardinals would push back so hard on it. Obviously, they haven't pushed back super hard on it because they're kind of allowing that to be the plan going forward at this point in time. But the reason that I just don't see why it's an issue at all is because you still have all of these doubleheaders coming up and you're going to need guys like Carlos Martinez to be able to fill some innings for you. And so you had Johan Oviedo who who pitched yesterday and did a fine job. They weren't able to get him a win because they didn't score any runs, but that's not, it's not Oviedo's fault. And so you've got him as a guy I feel really confident if I'm a Cardinals fan to say I can run him out there in one of those doubleheaders because we've got several of them remaining. And so whether he's on the 25-man or you know 28-man roster, whatever it is, the whole time, or he comes back, I imagine you know as long as they've got room for him, they'll keep him in the bullpen. He'll throw you know potentially multi-inning stints and then start whenever they need him in doubleheader situations. Carlos Martinez can can start out in the same way, in my opinion, if he's you know if he's ready in a week or whenever their you know upcoming doubleheader is that fits his time schedule. Go ahead and throw him out there that day, or you piggyback him with Oviedo, or you piggyback him with Austin Gomber, but allow him the opportunity to build up just like all these other guys did. I mean, you've taken Jack Flaherty and said he's only going to throw like 30 pitches his first time back. Obviously, Jack was able to be very efficient in his second start back, and so he, he got like through five innings or whatever it was. And then I expect on Saturday, tomorrow, when he pitches against the Indians, I believe it's tomorrow. It's over the weekend at some point. But when he pitches against the Indians, I expect he'll be on pretty much close to a full, you know, workload where he can throw 80, 90, you know, maybe more pitches than that. He can throw what is essentially a regular outing, six, seven innings. He's got the opportunity to do that if he's efficient. And so it took him a couple of times, but, you know, I understand that he didn't have COVID and Carlos did. But as long as Carlos looks healthy and they're able to measure all of that and he checks out with the doctors... Let him throw 30 pitches in a doubleheader. And then the next time out, let him throw 50. I mean, I think that's fine. I get it that the Cardinals are worried about kind of saying, hey, we did this during the COVID thing because we had to. But now that we're on the other side of that, we don't want to continue to let that be the norm and let that be the the standard to which we hold ourselves to say, yeah, we you've got time to build up. That's cool. But Carlos Martinez was over the COVID shutdown before they came back for summer camp, throwing 95 pitches and in seven innings in games down in the Dominican, facing not major league talent, but facing live hitters in simulated games. And so I have some faith in him to be able to build himself back up to, to where he needs to be, even if it's not in a formal setting. And so if you give him that opportunity the next time he's able to start, and he's only going to go two or three innings, to me, especially in a doubleheader scenario, when you can throw Gomber for the other four, that's perfectly fine. Let him do it. 
I don't understand why there'd be any pushback against that. So we'll end up seeing if that's what happens, but that's my long answer, Will, to your question about Carlos. As for the trade situation, it's where we started this podcast and it's where we'll end it, talking about what could the Cardinals do with the trade deadline potentially besides maybe clear some some 40-man spots by making some lower minor-level trades that, that aren't going to necessarily register with what the big league club is trying to accomplish for the rest of the season. And I'll, and I'll go based off of what Will said. What do I think about the bullpen? He was looking for potentially the Cardinals to get some help for the back end of the bullpen, give Gallegos some help. Uh, John Gantz is a name that he didn't mention, but has certainly been used in that kind of role by the Cardinals. Uh, he, he got the short end of the stick in game one of the doubleheader because they started with a man on second. Gerard Dyson, who isn't even on the Pirates anymore, was the pinch runner. You get a loop single to center field, that's a run. And then errors later in that inning cost the Cardinals even more. And so... I still have some confidence that Gant can be an effective pitcher for the Cardinals in the late innings. But right now, you also have to consider you don't have Andrew Miller because he's on the IL with shoulder fatigue. You don't have Ryan Helsley yet because he is uh, on the COVID list still. Junior Fernandez just returned, so you know could he work himself into that conversation to be a reliable late-inning reliever? Alex Reyes, though, is another guy. So I feel, I feel like the Cardinals do have guys. I would love to see Trevor Rosenthal back, though. I think that would be hilariously fun. You know, Mike Matheny goes from managing Trevor in St. Louis to then managing him in Kansas City, but then they trade him back to the Cardinals. I think that'd be great. Cardinals obviously have familiarity with him. You know, Mike Schilt was his manager in Johnson City a decade ago in A-ball, so I think that would be awesome, a great target that Will brought up for the Cardinals. I'd be totally in support of it because I don't think you'd have to give up necessarily a whole heck of a lot. What would you have to give up specifically? I don't know. Um, and so if the price isn't right, obviously don't do it. But I think as far as just listing targets, I think Trevor Rosenthal's name makes a lot of sense. He mentioned Kella as well. I'm not as familiar with him, obviously, as I am Rosenthal. Uh, but, you know, any relievers who are effective right now and you can get them if the price is right, I would say, you know, it could benefit the Cardinals. But they've already got a 40-man situation. And so maneuvering those deals is going to be more difficult than ever to, to go ahead and find two sides that can match up on something. So, not sure if it happens. From an outfield perspective, he mentioned Kevin Pillar, maybe as Bader insurance. Uh, look, I don't really think they need Bader insurance just because if Bader's hitting, he's going to play, and that's great. If he's not hitting, he's still probably going to play because of his defense, but he'll play less, especially if you can get Lane Thomas back in here. Uh, but Dylan Carlson's really got to be the answer. You hate to put a lot of pressure on a rookie, especially given all that's going on right now, but Carlson, has he's hit some balls hard. He's hit into some bad luck, but he's also had some at-bats where he just didn't look he looked like he was overmatched. And so I think, that, you, you know, not everybody's going to be, you know, coming to the big leagues right away and just thriving as a rookie, as a young guy. It doesn't happen. Happens for some guys. But, I mean, even Mike Trout, go go back and look at his baseball reference page. I'm not calling Dylan Carlson Mike Trout. But as an example, his rookie year, you know, had, had just a cup of coffee type of at-bats, that type of, you know, sample size. I think he hit under 200. Mike Trout, you know, it, it, it takes an adjustment sometimes. And, in a year like this, I would say you get a pass if you're needing to adjust. But unfortunately, because of the extenuating circumstances, the Cardinals kind of have put themselves into a position where they need Dylan Carlson uh, to produce right now. And so they said they're going to call him up and they're going to play him. Hopefully he's able to produce going forward. But it's not just him. It's Tyler O'Neill. I mean, he's hitting under 200 last I checked, batting fifth in yesterday's lineup. That's it's just not going to work. You know, Paul DeYoung, you're hoping he's able to bounce back and be himself. But again, we don't know how COVID is going to affect these guys' bodies after they have it, and so that's definitely a factor you have to be cognizant of when you're talking about what this offense could look like. 
Goldschmidt, yeah, you're asking a lot out of Goldschmidt right now. You're asking a lot out of Yadier Molina right now. He's answering the bell offensively. I understand he just had his first home run of the season yesterday, and he's otherwise he's pretty much exclusively hitting singles these days. But he gets him in, in, in timely spots, and I have no qualms about Yadier Molina's Molina's uh, Molina's offense right now. You know, Colton Wong atop the lineup. Want to see some consistency? I've seen him take some great at bats. Same thing for Dexter Fowler. Uh, you know, sometimes the the overall numbers aren't going to be there. Tommy Edmonds kind of been up and down. And so these are the guys that you're, you know, you're you're going out there and battling with. More of them have just got to, on a, on a more consistent basis, get the job done. And that's that's what they said they would, would have to do in spring. You know, we've seen it here and there, but we haven't seen enough of it. Their OPS, their run scored, all these rates are still toward the bottom of the league. And so while I understand, you know, saying, can we get some beta insurance? Can we get some some of this, some of that, help the offense out? I would agree that put, getting an offensive bat to, to really kind of change the complexion of the offense of the lineup would be great, but where are you going to put him? And you're invested in the guys that you're invested in right now. And so this is kind of the year to find out about him. Now, if the Cardinals finish this season and, you know, even if they finish with 30 wins, that should probably be enough to make the playoffs, especially if they don't quite get to 60 games. I know the two games against the Tigers have not been rescheduled. So if you finish just above 500, you make the playoffs, you have an early round exit, or maybe you make a little bit of a run. But if they exit the same way they did last year because of offense, you're going to have to do something different this offseason, even in a situation where you don't have the money, you don't feel like you can spend to do it. But if Tyler O'Neill finishes with a batting average under 200, you might have to say, even even if, you know, and I can see it already, people saying, well, are they going to do something? And then the Cardinals say, well, last year wasn't really fair. We want to give a guy like, you know, I'm just using O'Neill as an example because he's kind of struggling right now. But we want to give these guys an opportunity in a real season that's not cut short by COVID. I, that might not sit well, and I, I can understand why it wouldn't, because even though this is the, the, the COVID-shortened season and there's a lot going on, this is the season you've got, and you've got to use it to evaluate some players to some extent, especially you know if, if, if you're going to come out of it and say, well, we, we still think we can ride on X player, Y player, even though they didn't perform last year because we're writing that season off as a loss anyway because of COVID. It's going to be tough to do. You've got to get some of those internal options right now to play, to play well. As much as I like Kevin Pillar as a player, I don't know that you can project his offense to be any much better than the guys they have in-house. And they've already got Kevin Pillar in Bader because they're both uh, very good defenders. And so that's kind of the way I look at it. Trades, I don't see anything big coming down the pipe, but that's that's just because of the circumstances that they're in right now. So we'll wait and see. Hopefully after the weekend we'll kind of do a series recap of Indians, Cardinals, and then we'll try to rock and roll with more frequent podcasts going forward. So as of right now... If I don't stick to it, you need to, to DM me, to message me, to tweet at me and say, hey, you doofus, get back with the podcast. You didn't do one. I'm going to do one on Monday, though. We're going to have it. So follow me on Twitter at bshafer12. Same thing with Instagram and on Facebook.com slash bshafer12 as well. And to subscribe to the podcast, which you should definitely do, you can do so at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. We're pretty much going to be there. Spotify as well. And you can do there. It's it's bshafe daily. That's the name of the show. So I appreciate you guys for joining me. Join me next time. Send me a voice message if you want. Let's get involved. Let's have some fun. Cardinals are looking to make the playoffs. I know this weekend, uh, not this weekend, this week, losing to the Pirates in a couple of games and not sweeping the Royals, which always should be the expectation. I know that's a disappointing outcome for the Cardinals, but they're still right in position to make something happen. And so we'll see if they're able to do so as the rest of the season goes on. Till next time, this has been Be Shaved Daily. Have a great day, everybody.